Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Prepare to enter an immersive world of tragedies, hauntings, legends, and folklore. Southern Gothic is an independently produced podcast documenting the rich history of the American South. Stretching from the swamps of Louisiana to the shores of the Carolinas, deep into the mountains of Appalachia, and across the battlefields and earliest settlements of Virginia. Guiding you through some of its darkest tales and eerie locations. Join us now on Southern Gothic, the podcast. This podcast unapologetically involves topics such as violence, sex, and mental illness, in addition to all the other crazy behaviors people engage in. If this might disturb you or those around you, please reconsider. It's okay. Kate won't mind. Privacy and confidentiality have also been protected, with personal information removed when possible. If you ever feel unsafe or suicidal, please call your local crisis center, emergency services, or national hotline. In the U.S., the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline is 800-273-8255. And remember, you matter. Hey, this is Kate. My last several episodes have been pretty heavy and true crime in nature. And so I thought it's time to turn away from that for a little while. I'm talking with my friend, Danielle, Danny. She's a rock star. She has many hats, including voice actor, as well as other hats that she'll describe for you herself when she introduces herself. But our conversation ended up wandering fairly heavily into the area of parenting and parenthood. Specifically, my experiences being one and her experiences getting there. So, as an extra layer of disclaimer, this is an episode that does involve pregnancy, pregnancy loss, and adoption. So, if those are topics that are difficult for you, I get it. They're difficult for a lot of people and it's okay to skip this. But if they're topics that hold some personal meaning for you, then it's a fabulous and fascinating conversation, I think. I'm sitting here 
in my 40s with four kids. I've been a parent my entire adult life. Arguably, I've done parenting things since I was nine years old because that's when my next sister was born. And so it sort of has defined my whole life in certain ways. And Danny, on the other hand, is trying to get there. Although I would argue that mentally, emotionally, she she already has that mom vibe. And so making that vibe match up to her reality is a tough thing. And I don't know, some people are supposed to be moms. Do you know what I'm saying? It'll make more sense when you listen, but just understand that, at least to me, and I think I'm going to use the word should, that parenting should be something that starts long before you actually are one. It's something that's a mental process and a personal decision and a tough journey, I guess, in a lot of ways. Are you sure you really want to know? This is Ignorance Was Bliss. Hello, everyone. My name is Danielle Ellert. Uh, I think everyone now calls me Danny, which is kind of weird because up until the age of 20-ish or so, I was always Danielle. <laughs> and now if I hear my name is Danielle, it's just weird. Um, also kind of welcome. Uh, let's see, what do I do? I technically work in the IT industry, which is amazing because no, I cannot fix your computer. I can tell you to turn it off and on again, much like the IT crowd, but outside of that, pretty fucking useless. Um, I make a mean document though. So I think that's why they keep me around. Hot. Yeah, me and my typing skills, like 90 something <laughs> words per minute. They're not going to be spelled right, but you know, that's what spell checks for. That red line of me, best friends. Uh, in my free time, I work more because I'm a masochist and I do podcasting. Uh, so I do voice acting. Um, I don't know if you've heard me before, probably not, but I've been in a lot of different shows, um, a lot of indie podcasts. So I'm part of the Good Point uh, podcast company, uh, which is run by my partner, Jeremy Ellett and myself. Uh, so we've put out, let's see, our first show, our, I guess, uh, what's it called when your brick and mortar uh, would be our flagship. That's the word I'm looking for. Brick and mortar is like a store, isn't it? <laughs> in both. We can go it's, there. It, it checks out. We'll, we'll uh, sit down in a corner in your living room and watch you. And then that'll be. Hey, I'll put on the show. <laughs> there you go. Uh, so that show would be the subjective truth. Um, that just passed 120,000 downloads. I think I'm saying that right. Yeah. Um, so that's been really exciting to see grow. It's a paranormal. Um, 
just beautiful story about death and life and grief and how we work through it and just messy human emotions and a lot of themes from our lives around like loss and infertility and adoption and just some of those fears and anxieties wrapped up into that um, all while telling a really cool like paranormal story with trans configuration and you know uh, Windigos and crazy shit like that. <laughs> um, and then on the opposite end is a show I'm not involved in at all, but I want to plug because it's amazing, uh, is The One Stars, which started out as one thing. And I think it's beginning to pivot just because the two main characters are just such gems. Um, shout out to Blythe Renee, uh, who plays Chatbot, because, oh my gosh, her... I'm like wheezing. <laughs> I have asthma, by the way. If you guys hear that wheeze, I apologize. <laughs> I sound like all the time. It's really bad if you're. I a just podcaster. figured you were heavy breathing for me. Oh yes, yes. <laughs> there it is. Ooh, about to turn this into R-rated. <laughs> After dark. Yes, yes. Turn on the red light. Turn it down to dim, and let's begin our. I don't know. I'm really bad oh my at God, you guys. This is so much better. <laughs> <laughs> we can, you know what? We can pivot. It's fine. We can make this an after dark special, <laughs> not an afternoon delight. <laughs> but yeah, that's that's me. I uh, I live in Austin. It's pretty cool here. I have lots of fur babies. Trying to adopt a real baby, so that's been a thing. So yeah, that's that's me. <laughs> we we did the adoption thing. My youngest. Is adopting. It's funny. It's my youngest is Danielle. Oh, she is Danny. She is her biological mother named her Daniela mm. with the idea that people might call her Danny, people might call her Ella, or oh. people might call her Daniela. And I'm like, I don't think anybody's ever gonna go from Daniela to Ella, but okay, maybe. And our last name is Walinga, Ooh, and that so is a mouthful. Daniela Walinga feels like an illness, frankly. Like, you know, like, oh, God. Got a bad case of that Daniela Walinga. <laughs> right. So when the when the adoption was finalized, she had never been called Daniela in her life. Mm -hmm. And so when the adoption was finalized, we went to Danielle. And that flows a little. It doesn't sound like you need to take a run to CVS. <laughs> so that's good. That's that's helpful, but no she charged medicines. <laughs> no, well, oh well. I mean, of course, there's that. But she has, you know, she is old enough to recall the fact that she is adopted. She remembers her biological mother a little bit. How old, if you don't mind me asking, how old was she when you guys adopted her? She, well, our story is a weird one. <laughs> I'm trying to think how far back to go. So I got real sick after I had my 11 year old. Mm -hmm. And like a year and a half on uh, home health care, mm -hmm, sick. I was mm -hmm. in a coma for a week and a half and oh, yeah. like all kinds of messed up stuff and um, had a radical hysterectomy as part of that, as well as a mm -hmm. bunch of other surgeries. And so we hired a nanny and this woman was our nanny and she did a good job at it. She was a college student. And so we traded rent for childcare and Very that, fair. that yeah. was fine. And she started making some, <clears throat> uh, that's one that you're, one of your fur babies or one of <laughs> yes, mine. That, it's fine. Is, that one's mine. <laughs> <laughs> and um, she started making some questionable decisions. Um, 
as just, young college kids are wont to do. Well, as they are, for real. And it just kind of reached a point of like, I can't. She, she, she was looking for us to sort of not literally at that point bail her out, but bail her out mm. in ways that mm-hmm. I wasn't prepared for because I already had three kids that I was juggling plus yeah. work plus plus, plus all of the things. And so we bought a house that didn't have an in-law apartment mm-hmm. and kind of wished her luck, like off you go. And one of the last questionable decisions that she made was that she decided she wanted her ex back. Mm. And he had just announced his engagement, but apparently that didn't limit his extracurricular <laughs> activities. They're helping. It's fine. <laughs> I have. I. It's. It's. It's how life do. Um. So she announced she was pregnant, and I was like, I. I wish you all of the luck in the world, but you can't. Like we're buying. Yeah, we bought this not. place. Yeah. Good luck. <laughs> and so the next two years, we got like a uh, the Disney version. Mm-hmm. Everything's great. Everything's cute. Facebook version. You know, she mm-hmm. she got a new partner. Everything was lovely. And then just after Danny turned two, I got a call in the middle of the night, effectively saying, my family has disowned me. Oh. I've broken up with the, the guy that I was with. I lost my job. I'm living in one of those motels that rents by the hour or the month. Uh, yeah. You know, and I'm, I'm hitting breaking point. Will you take the baby so I can check myself into the hospital? Mm-hmm. And I was like, of course, like, right. what, what, what do you say that, that something like that? But it turned out her family had turned her away and said, no, mm. we won't do that. They didn't believe her, which, you know, public service announcement, if anybody ever threatens suicide, mm-hmm. I don't care whether you believe them or not. You take them seriously every, yes. time, every time, just every time. So of course, yes, come here. We can, we can take care of the baby. And the idea was she would stay with us. The baby would stay with us while her mother was in the hospital. And then they would both stay here for a couple of days mm-hmm. and settle. And then the next morning, um, the other kids get up and go to school. And the, the, the mother was in the hospital by then. And so I'm home alone with this two-year-old mm-hmm. who wasn't upset and wasn't speaking. Mm. And so, like, starting to think, like, okay, something's not cool. And my doorbell rings, and it's, it's Child Protective Services. And mm. that's when we discover that the Disney version was entirely false. And she had been persistently neglected and abused mm. from day one. And we spent the next four months trying really hard not to adopt. Mm-hmm. Like, that was the goal, was to keep this kid with right. her mother and get them on their way out. Reunited. The yeah. Mm-hmm. And, um, and CPS was willing to allow them both to stay together in my house. As long as I signed on as legal guardian, mm-hmm. because what had happened several times before is they had come very close to removing the child from the home and the mother would pack up and move mm, okay. and hide. Flight risk. Yeah. So they, they were like, that, that's, this is how you could, do it. okay, okay. So for four months, they both lived here. And at the end of four months, the, the biological mother had 
attempted to steal the identities of all four kids, had been engaging in sex work out of my home, had admitted to more and more of the abuses that were Mm -hmm. obvious. Like you could, I could look at the child and see like, this is a kid that's been hurt. Hurt. Yeah. Yeah. And um, there just came a point where it was like, look, you got to go. Like you, you, you can't, you know, my, my oldest at the time was 14, 15. Mm-hmm. No, and like, this isn't healthy for my children. It's not healthy it, for your daughter. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's all healthy that. for you. Yeah. You got to figure it out. So I was like, look, you can, you can take her with you. Like I can't physically or legally stop that. Mm-hmm. I just had an agreement with CPS that I would call them if, if I thought that she was taking off with the baby. But I was mm-hmm. like, if that's what, you know, if you want to get set up in an apartment with the baby, we will help with whatever we can to do that. Or you can leave her here with us while you go get yourself established mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then we'll reunite. Just give us a, a week or two if you do that so that she's not like looking for you every moment. Right. You know, right. And like, like, like let her, let her have some stability. Yeah. And it's so, okay. That's what I'll do. I, I, I'll do that. Okay. And she left, literally snuck out of the house during nap time. So that was, not ideal. And she called me two weeks later and said, I'm never going to get better. You keep her. Oh, wow. And so having already been legal guardian, it was like a very, you know, comparatively quick process. It only took four months right. from then to yeah. finalize the adoption. And so her adoption was finalized on her third birthday. Oh, well, I'm glad that adoption is always such a tricky thing. And, and it's odd because I, Danielle and myself have some similarities. Um, my mother, my biological mother um, was divorced from my biological father when I, uh, before I was two, they were separated. And then um, I do have a biological older brother and we went to go live with our fathers separately. Cause uh, he's my half brother um, because she was going through a time where she just couldn't stay employed and just was hitting a you know depressive set and just going through a lot, just going through a lot. Um, and that's because she had grown up with her own, you know, very messed up childhood too. Um, you know, uh, from, from what I know of, uh, because I, I, reconne- I reconnected with her when I was around 12 or so. Once when I was seven, I went and visited her um, after she got, you know, established and what have you. Um, but, and then I had a relationship with her after I was around like 12 or so once my father passed away. Um, and she came back into my life when she finally got with a good man who I, who I still call dad. He's my other, I have a, I have a lot of step family, so it's going to get confusing here, you guys. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, my mom left when I was two and, um, yeah, that that's, it's the right decision, but for a child, it is so hard too, because you're always left with that little lingering, what did I do? But it, it was definitely the right decision. And it's one of those things where in that moment, that was the most loving thing that she can do for her child was to make sure that she was in the right spot and in the right place and in good hands, even if she wasn't ready or didn't have the resources or didn't have the will yet or hadn't hit rock bottom, you know, depending on whatever she was going through um, to, to make better choices for herself. But the the most loving thing she did was in that moment, make the right choice for her daughter. Yeah. That's, that's, you know, she, because she's, first of all, it, my, I am geared toward honesty with kids. Mm-hmm. You know, I think kids are smarter than a lot of adults realize. Yes. Oh, gosh. And as well, 
she does have memories from her time before she came to us. And I've got three older kids who were on the front lines for all of it and have different degrees of understanding and memory mm-hmm. for what was going on. And so she's always known that she was adopted. And that's exactly what we explained to her is that she, you know, loved you very much and couldn't be safe for you and couldn't keep you safe. So we will keep you safe. It's been a difficult lesson for her to absorb the fact that we are family period forever now Mm -hmm. like that, that that won't change again. There was so much change and so much neglect and hurt Mm -hmm. in her early life that just a lot of abandonment. Exactly. She really, I, I think she's, she understands the rule of don't talk to strangers, but mm. she doesn't know what strangers are. Mm. She's nine now, and she she doesn't understand the concept. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it sort of boils down to like, look, you don't have to get why, but the answer is you don't go off with somebody. In mm-hmm. the park. You know, because the like I I it's it's a double edged sword of stranger crime is so rare. And stranger mm-hmm. danger mm-hmm. is not a real thing. It's more so people you know danger, unfortunately. Yeah. Exactly. But if someone is going to target, if an adult is going to target a stranger, they're an excellent profiler for who would be a better, easier victim. And yes. my kid has all of those sort of the friendliness in the lack of physical agency and boundaries mm-hmm. yes. and that kind of thing. She doesn't understand consent. She doesn't mm-hmm. understand those sorts of things. And people pick up on that quickly. Mm-hmm. And so she's the only one that we've had to say, like, don't talk to strangers and don't tell them your name and things like that, Like, which is awkward because I don't mm-hmm. want to raise my kids to think the world is scary even though it is. Yeah, right. That's a hard balancing act. And, you know, she, so she's, I think she's gotten better. I used to tell people that you could walk into my house and not say a word to anybody and just hold out your hand and she would take it and leave with you. And oh, wow. there was a long stretch where I, like, I literally watched her do that mm. under circumstances where like a fa- maybe they were a family member that she hadn't met before or like mm-hmm. she went off with our neighbors a couple of times people she'd never been introduced never been yeah. you know so that yeah. was who and it's tough you know when you when adoption is a it's a fraught concept mm-hmm. because of exactly yes. what you're saying like that feeling of being rooted in what did i do wrong even when you look at a kid and you're like you literally couldn't do right. something wrong enough. Like right. you don't have that ability, but they don't get that. But with, with attachment and, and trauma on top of that, mm-hmm. she she's an odd kid. Like she still now at nine, she doesn't really understand social norms. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And she's the only one of my children. And my oldest is 21. Um, She's the only one of my children who's been in the back of a police car. <laughs> so oh, it's it's an adventure with her. It super is. But like we needed her more than she needed us. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I had thought that we were done after three kids, but we just The universe know. had more plans. <laughs> exactly. And my husband is adopted. He was oh. adopted from birth. And so a different, very different 
background and we mm-hmm. have, we didn't we met his biological mother actually 3 days before Danielle's adoption went through so there was a, a neat oh, little Oh wow what what a interesting parallel to have yeah. and so th- his adoptive mother was problematic but his biological mother is wonderful and mm-hmm. so we we found a neat balance there and that's super helpful that she can talk to dad about yes yes what it means yes yeah i'm hoping that's i think one of my biggest hopes for our future you know child because we're we're at the very early stages of adoption and it's oof, we've only just started and it's it's a lot because it's a uh it's definitely not what you see in the movies um <laughs> it's a lot of really having to come to terms with your human emotions and with your flesh and what your limits are. Um, and like, obviously I think uh, most people who get to the point we are where you wanted a child for a very long time, very, very long time. My husband and I have been married for 10 years this past August um, and together for 12 total. Yeah. Two more um, dating one engaged one. Yeah. Uh, so 12 years together and I wanted kids before we were married. I I had a big family growing up of like lots of half siblings and step siblings. And I've just always wanted a big family. Um, and my husband also came from a very blended family where he has a lot of siblings. Um, so we, we have a, between us, I think we have double, definitely double digits, uh, in the number of siblings we have. Um, but, but yeah, like wanting a child, and knowing what you're capable of providing to that child are two very different things. And that's a really hard reality to face uh, when you're going through this process. Uh, you have to fight with your ego a lot about it and, you know, really humble yourself to what's going to be best, not just for I want any baby or also and also I want to give a home to any baby, but I know what our level of resources are and I know what we can offer um, and what we have the emotional capacity for versus, you know, where on the sliding scale, I suppose we're better than some others that might say, no, we will only take this, but also there are limits to where, you know, we can offer. And that's, that's hard. That's really hard. Cause obviously I just want all the babies. I want to just rescue everyone. <laughs> I want, I want, I want any baby, but it's the right child is going to find us. And, and it's also not just when you're doing this process, because uh, we're adopting from birth, it's not just, finding the match for your child because really it's it's less about the child uh, because we're going to love that baby like we we already like I already talked to my child even though they're probably not even conceived yet um maybe fingers crossed hopefully soon <laughs> but um but you're also gonna have a relationship with the birth parents we live in texas and in texas all adoptions are open it's very rare to have a closed adoption um and that was something that we had to really like come to terms with too and um, it's it's easy from the outside because you're always uh, from the outside looking in it's very easy to be like well you know well, if it was me, obviously I would be able to take anything and I would do, you know, but these people are going to be in your lives for forever. And we're going to have to trust that relationship and them having no, it's not true visitation rights, but we have kind of an obligation uh, to the birth parents to see, you know, them four times a year, even, you know, as long as it's safe and, you know, it's in a wrong good terms. Um, but when we know that that's the right thing for our child, um, 
and mentally, obviously know that and we want to be the best parents ever. So we want whatever is best for our child, but that's like our first parent move is like, oof, I don't like how that makes me feel. I don't really want to sit like as my, and this sounds terrible, but it's like, I, I, the jealous human in me doesn't want to have to share my child just like, but on the other end, I know that they probably don't want that feeling either, you know, cause that child's going to look to me and I'm going to be mommy and, you know, my husband's going to be daddy and, and they're doing the right thing. And if they are having these visitations because they want to see their child and that doesn't always happen, but uh, you know, that's something we're offering as part of an open adoption, um, that, they're going to also be having their feelings because it's like, I carried you for nine months and I created you and have these features and I see parts of myself in you, but you're not mine, you know, in a, in, in a, you're mine biologically, but you're not coming to me when you scrape your knee or, you know? Um, so there's just, there's a lot of adult and a lot of human emotions that are on all ends. It's, it's a lot. <laughs> That's the best way I can put it. That- Maybe one of the only times where I've heard Texas as having a more progressive-leaning, open-type yeah. rule than Massachusetts. All adoptions are closed. Oh, did not know that. Wow. To the point where they they reprint the child's birth certificate. Oh, wow. So, like, I it 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 happened that I did meet my kid on the day she was born mm-hmm. and so i was there within that 24 hour span but my husband didn't meet her for like a year and a half mm-hmm. and they, mm-hmm. they came to visit you know once but but he really didn't get to know her until bang she's here and right. his and his name is on the birth certificate and neither of the biological parents are anywhere on there and if you look at the birth certificate nowhere does it does it even say that she was adopted oh wow i actually realized i probably should put that on my checklist i don't know what the birth certificate's going to look like uh in texas i know that they have a i think 72 hour 48 48 hours 72 i can't remember one of them it's either two days or three days um waiting period uh until they can officially sign off their rights um for for adoption so that's going to be a very stressful <laughs> i mean the whole process is going to be stressful but those are like the last those three days are very tense um just because you never know you know you don't you don't know and i couldn't begrudge uh, i i don't think i could ever begrudge someone who holds their a child that they've held in their body and then now have gone through the very emotional and taxing process of giving birth um and decide, you know what, I'm going to try and parent, uh, it would, it's going to be crushing. And it, you know, I'm, I'm just having the expectation that that likely will happen just because that's how things happen in life sometimes. And if it doesn't, great, I'm very much prepare for the worst, hope for the best. <laughs> um, and so it's, yeah, it's a lot because then on one hand, if they are able to parent and it's a good situation and they decide that this is right for them and their family, then as heartbreaking as it would be for us and it would be um it's if that's the right path for them and that's the right path for the child that's preferable because I don't I don't want I mean obviously there's always going to be some amount I think I don't think that someone can carry a child and then give their child up and not have any feelings towards it I think biologically it's almost humanly impossible but um I don't want to use the word I don't want them to have regrets because I think regret is such a 
a gray area word because there's, you know, my mom, and I know this from my mom who gave me up when she was two. So she could, um, because she just couldn't take care of us at the time, um, that she, she regrets it, but she doesn't. It's one of those things where it was the right thing to do, but it still hurts. And it's still moments, you know, she missed out on a lot of moments. And, and part of that was her own choice. Um, you know, she, she stopped having contact with me from ages two until seven bars and phone calls now and then, um, she wasn't super active in my life. Uh, and then after that, only because, thank God, uh, she, she found the right person to be with. And my, uh, my stepdad, Kurt, basically as they tell it, uh, he locked her in the bedroom and said, you're not coming out until you call your daughter. And she called me and we talked and then eventually made plans. And I started visiting and I, she actually, uh, lived in Texas, um, where that's how I met my husband was I was visiting my mom for the summer, um, and between my freshman, between my freshman and sophomore year, no, that can't be right, right? No, nope. yes, no, no, it'd be my sophomore and junior year of college, because um, then I finished out junior year and then got engaged and then moved to Texas. Um, that's right, kids, I'm a college dropout, but don't worry, you can still do it. You can okay still work in, in I, I worked in IT before I graduated <laughs> college, so yeah. 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 yeah I, and then I ran I, screaming. So good for you. Yeah. Oh man. It's, whew, I work in a startup too. So it's, it's a lot of pressure. It's uh it's a great company that I work for. I, I think I'm allowed to talk about the company. I don't, I guess so. I don't think there'd be any no, no to talk about my company. I work for a, uh, an insurance tech company essentially that does like home insurance. And um, so I've been working in the insurance industry for a long time, which is not, you know, it's every little girl's dream to work in insurance. You know, that's why they have insurance Barbie. Um, so I actually went to school for theater, uh, believe it or not. Uh, so that's why I'm really glad that I, uh, that I still get to do some acting and podcasting and voice acting um, because I definitely, I definitely miss the artistic side of my life when when work is very, very structured. Well, no, I wouldn't say structured, just busy. Very busy and chaotic and technical is the best way mm-hmm. I can put it. See, I, I started off as um, my when I, I went to college for engineering. Mm-hmm. And I'm good at it. I'm good with tech. I just didn't like it. Yeah. But yeah. if you've ever spent time around large groups of computer science and engineers <laughs> they're not emotionally effusive people mm, that is a great way to put it <laughs> and so i can't say whether they are or not happy but they <laughs> definitely don't seem like it as well where i went to college is is in upstate new york on the canadian border so mm-hmm. it snows up there from October to May every year. And it's dark all the oh, time. No. Nope. And it. it was this little tiny town with like literally the nearest shopping mall was 45 minutes away. So everybody was miserable and it was dark and it was cold. <laughs> and that was just normal to me as far as I knew. And I was just so desperate to move out of my parents' house mm-hmm. and to be out from some very unhealthy relationships mm-hmm. that I was living with. And so I would, I was going to study anything and this is where I got into school and it allowed me to, to do the thing. And so great. And it wasn't until my junior year that I got sick, mm-hmm. um, which is 
kind of a recurring theme in my life of I was doing a thing and then I got sick. That mm. happens to me. And in, I was in the, the hospital with a kidney infection and mm. wasn't reacting real well to the <clears throat> medications. And so I was in the hospital for a week and a half and people kept bringing me books and stuff because this was in the 90s. So it's like it's like the line out of uh, The Princess Bride. You know, when I was your age, television was called books. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that. And somebody brought me the book of Mindhunter mm-hmm. before it was Netflix. It was before a book. it was the big thing, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I, I was reading it and I was like, I could do this. The stuff that they're talking about. And he's, he, he seems like he likes his job. Like, that's fascinating. <laughs> what is that like? <laughs> Let's try that. And so I, I ended up when I when I went back to school, I dropped all of my engineering classes. I had I had psych, psych as a minor. I thought I'd mm-hmm. do like HR or mm-hmm. industrial organizational psych, which is like what color should you paint the walls to make people more productive? Oh, yeah. I'm fine that that didn't become a thing, but um. Anyway, I dropped everything, picked only psych up, and then went on for grad school, took a turn from doing profiling into forensic psych because I wasn't comfortable having a gun in the home, which you basically have to do as a FBI agent. I don't know why that took me three years to figure it out, but it it took (laughs) me There wasn't enough law and order SVUs out for you. There was not, no. (laughs) And uh, so it took me a while to realize like that was going to be an issue. And also, you know, you have to be a regular FBI agent for a period of time before you can join the behavioral science unit. And then assuming you are successful at that, you travel like 48 weeks out of the year because well, yeah. you Card don't want stay in one location. Yeah, it was just you don't want the serial killers coming to you, frankly. <laughs> like that's typically not the goal. And so I I draw, you know, and so I still have that that underlying sort of technical approach to things. Mm-hmm. But uh I found a lot more creativity in the world of psychology mm-hmm. and then doing the technical side with assessments and with forensic, you know, a lot of testing and a lot of writing and a lot Mm -hmm, of mm -hmm. testifying in court and stuff. And it's all very sort of structured, Mm -hmm. but then every once in a while you walk in to an exam room to sit down and talk to somebody and they literally hand you a tinfoil hat. Oh, and you're like, this is how today's going to go. Cool. Cool. cool, cool. (laughs) And the answer is you put on the hat. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> that's that's what you do and and um and then for me I like podcasting was never an area I thought of going into mm-hmm. but I, I I again and then I got sick and I <laughs> I broke my back in 2014 and have been on disability since then and needed a thing needed to do mm-hmm. a thing that felt creative and that felt productive in some way and mm-hmm. floundered around until I figured out what my show was, or maybe my show figured it out on its own. And um, the first time that somebody asked me to do voice work, I was baffled. Like, why would I do that? <laughs> That's, I, I, I know what to say. I don't know how to say it. Sorry, my dogs are making funny, mouthy noises. I'm like, please, trying to like signal to them, please be quiet. Mama is recording. Mama's recording, YouTube. Please stop. 
<laughs> you're manifesting silence. Yeah. Yes. No, that's we we call that in my house. That's a snap and glare. Yes. Mommy, <laughs> that's the one. <laughs> Both their ears perked up. Mommy, huh? Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> right. Oh, you right, right, right. Just because you're on the phone doesn't mean you you can't see anymore. I see. Yes. 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 <laughs> Well, that's amazing when things lead into another, like you, you finding uh, the creative joy you have from the avenue you ended up picking, but still being able to leverage what you use then in the endeavors you do now is just fantastic. I, I, there's a line from, uh, I'm going to butcher it. I know my husband's going to like laugh in the other room, um, but there's a, a Donald Glover line, um, I think from his, his original like EP uh, that says, it all goes somewhere. And I love that. Like, I love the idea that everything you do eventually accumulates to something. Nothing's wasted time. You know, nothing, nothing is pointless or even, even the times where you're like, I'm, you know, I just did nothing all day, but you didn't, you did recharge. You did, you know, it, it goes to something. It fuels something, you know, for better, or for worse. Uh, and, and that's just, Fantastic. I love that you were able to leverage some of the things that you did in college towards, you know, your endeavors now. And I, I like the way that you, you put that because having this, this chorus in my life of, and then I got sick mm-hmm. means that I have also heard a lot. Well, everything happens for a reason. Oh. And I hate that. Like I throw up in my mouth a little bit every time or I get stabby. It really depends on, you know, the immediate visceral reaction, but it's never a good one, you know? Yeah. And because I don't believe that everything happens for a reason. Like I believe that there are things that happen for no reason at all and we just have to roll with it. Yes. But I'm at the same time a huge believer in the butterfly effect. Yes. You change one thing, change everything. And so yeah. I had to experience the problems that I had growing up. I had to I had to do that or I wouldn't have been so desperate to go to school that I would have ended up at a school that on paper is wrong for me. Mm-hmm. You know, and I had to get sick in twenty ten in order for Danny to end up mm-hmm. here. Yes. Like those things had to happen. And yes. if you change any piece of it, I might be somewhere else that would be okay. Yeah. But where I am is good enough. And that's, that's important. Yes. Content- I, I a thousand percent agree with that. And I, I think that's kind of always been my outlook on life, which I know sounds kind of like, uh, I don't know, the, I wouldn't say pompous, but like for a child to even have that kind of level of thought. Uh, but if my mother had not left me when she did with my father, I wouldn't have gotten my time with him because uh, he died from cancer when I was 10. So I wouldn't have had my time with him. And then had that not happened, unfortunately, had my dad not passed away, I wouldn't have all my other brothers and sisters from my, my stepmom, Rachel's, who's, you know, she raised me, so she's my mom, um, from her quote unquote marriage. I, I say quote unquote, cause they never got officially married, but you know, it's Virginia common law, whatever they lived together for a long time. Uh, but from, from that marriage. So I have a lot of, I have three other brothers and sisters from my other, my other stepdad, step, stepdad, Doug. Um, and I wouldn't have the, the daughter that they made together. My little sister, Renelle, my youngest sister, um, who is just 
such a sweet human. I love her so much. Um, and had my, you know, had my dad not passed, my mom might not have gotten back in touch with me. Um, because that's when my stepmom reached out to her and they kind of got back in talking and that's how she got, you know, army number and everything. And then we started having a relationship and then (laughs) let's see, I go, and stay with her. I start staying with her during the summer so I can get to know her and my other sister, my stepsister, Jessica, uh, from my mom's step-husband, Kurt's previous marriage. <laughs> See, I have a lot of steps. You have a family like <laughs> explosions. Yeah, That's amazing. <laughs> Wait till we added my husband. <laughs> and then I, you know, I go to college, what have you. And then I am staying with my mom for the summer and that's how I meet my husband my new husband um and we date that summer and then you know we, we get engaged the next year and then I moved to Texas um and had we not you know had I not known her then spent time there then I wouldn't have met him and so on and so forth um and then you know one day as as painful as horrifically painful as uh the process of always having wanted a child and always like uh, everyone knew I was like going to be a mom I, that was always like my secret power was I I'm a child whisperer like kids and me just get along I get them they're little tiny humans and I just understand them and I think on their level um, I'm not sure if that always speaks highly to me because I can be childish um, but but me and kids are just cool where I can get a baby to stop crying in usually under 10 minutes um, if they're like super bad um Two minutes if they're a chill baby, chill ass babies. Two minutes, got you. Uh, <laughs> but but yeah, so like I always, you know, wanted a big family, and that was like a really hard lesson for us, and a lot of growing pains. And we had a miscarriage after spending a lot of money to try and get pregnant, and just like the emotional toll of all of that. And even that was like one of those moments where it's like, had that not happened, had if we had our child from then, um, they would be. How old is my other nephew? Because me and my best friend were pregnant together at the time. Um, seven, six or seven. Sorry, about to turn seven. Um, our child will be about to turn seven next year. And like, I wouldn't be where I'm at in my career, which like, I've never been someone who wanted a career really. Like when, if you play the Sims for the, the Simoleons or Sim heads, I don't know what we're called. People who like Sims out there. Uh, when you first start off, you have to pick like, what's your track? Like, what's the thing that makes your Sim the happiest? family, money, friends. And I think in the newer versions, they have more, but back in, back in the OG Sims, it was like three. And mine was always family, always consistently. I wanted lots of kids. Um, so career was never a big thing for me, but I found I'm really good in corporate America. Um, ironically from a really hard upbringing (laughs) from a perfectionist mother and, uh, from doing theater and being a stage manager, I have insane ego management and organizational skills that really have helped me in corporate America. Um, so yay, black magic women out there doing the thing for tech. Uh, but, but yeah, so I wouldn't be where I'm at now, you know, we wouldn't have these amazing fur babies that we have. And, you know, it's all those painful moments are, are terrible, but I think I've always, uh, my dad was my best friend. Like I, I'll cry if I talk too much. Um, losing him at an early age really made me decently not impervious to being down for too long or too sad for too long about things, but really just grateful for the time we get on earth and after going through that like 
nothing was going to be worse than that. That was the fucking worst thing that's ever happened to me. And, you know, I lost my baby and I've gone through some terrible shit with dudes in the past. And like, you know, we're women. So that tends to happen. Unfortunately, we mostly all have stories like that. And, you know, like terrible things have happened, but nothing was as bad as that. And if I can get through that and still smile and laugh and have a good life, then eventually everything else will just fall into place too. You know, hopefully. (laughs) I mean, one thing that you had said about the, you know, the, it's okay. This is news to no one. I'm kind of an asshole. And so when, <laughs> when you talked about the return policy, where you know, my brain goes to the lemon law idea of, you know, if you have a car and in, in, in certain states you can return it within like three days, like that's, I, I, I own, I own my ass hattery, but, but the, yes, I, I agree, you know, unconditionally that handing physically and emotionally handing a child back to the biological mother and saying, I, you know, I, I concede your, your choice, that, that would be incredibly shitty. Oh, God, yeah. Fuck yeah. That being said, it wasn't your kid then, because I think exactly. your kid will yeah. find you. Exactly. Exactly. I, I've already waited this long. Like, I want the right one. The one that is going to be happy in our home, the one that, you know, isn't going to destroy this other person because they think they made the wrong choice. I want I want their biological parents to know that they made the right choice. I want them to feel secure in that choice that we are the parents meant for the child that they create and that they're doing the right thing. And it's not just impulsive and it's not you know, um, just, oh, no, it was just a bad moment, but that it really was a well thought through. And that's why picking, picking the adoption agency was really important to us. Um, And I went through a lot of research to find the one I did, because I really wanted someone who actually advocates for, you know, keeping biological families together, um, and who supports the birth parent decision, and doesn't just try and churn, you know, isn't just like a a baby mill, um, and and just tries to close everything out, because those, they're expensive, you guys, like, our, our adoption fees are like $45,000. Um, <laughs> fucking kind of money. $45,000 to throw at having a child. Like some people are on their second one. I'm like, are you crazy? That's, that's so much money. It's a whole house. I'm like, that's a down payment. Um, but luckily like by blessings, um, and just good luck. Uh, my my company is helping with some of the adoption fees, so that's helped. And you know, um, you know, we have some some avenues we can go through just because my husband's been so diligent about getting our credit in a good place and just such a good steward for our finances. Because I'm fucking terrible with money, you guys. Um, I thought you were allowed to pay your credit card when we first got together. I thought you're allowed to just pay your credit card whenever, as long as it was done in the correct month. Um, turns out. You get late fees. <laughs> they have specific due dates. <laughs> Mind you, when we got together, I was like 1920. So like, don't judge me too harshly. But if you don't know about that, you got to pay it before the due date <laughs> or you get fees. <laughs> My husband had never paid his own credit card. I, 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 married, I married a rich boy and he knows it. Uh. Like, we're, we're clear about this. <laughs> no shame, no shame. <laughs> that, like, I grew up in was frequently homeless and trailer Mm -hmm. parks and that kind of thing. And he grew up and they felt 
a little bit deprived if they could only take one international vacation in a year. Right? That. <laughs> mm. My heart. My travel is <laughs> You know, and so that's okay. Fine. Like, good. I, I am. Yeah, yeah. No, was, there's levels. Right. There's levels. And, <laughs> and, it, and it definitely, his family is, his adoptive family was proof that no, money doesn't buy happiness or protect you from pain. It just pays for therapy afterward is exactly. the answer. But, um, the top shelf. <laughs> for sure. But, but so the, the, the expenses of, of the adoption for us were not financial mm-hmm. because it was a, a public, a child protective services adoption mm-hmm. yeah. is less expensive financially mm-hmm. than a private adoption. Mm-hmm. But, on the flip side of that, you that that return to sender policy is eighteen months. Oh wow! That's a like that's, that's a, a long, long time, time to have a baby in your house who has started to call you mom, and <sighs> then the system is geared in uh-huh. most cases to allow either of the uh, of the biological parents to change their mind yeah. and. While I acknowledge their right to do so, that's potentially scary. In in our case, both biological parents signed termination of parental rights immediately. Oh, thank God! And so that was never Mm -hmm. that was never. I was not going to play ping pong with this child. Yeah, no, I. I'd end up in Mexico. I'm like, all right, I guess we're learning a new language and assuming some new identities, y'all. <laughs> I mean, that's, I can't. <laughs> I can't I've given, I'm still giving, I'm holding that in reserve. It's like maybe eventually, but, uh, <laughs> but you know, cause I don't know. I don't, the, the, when Danny's biological mother left, mm-hmm. I saw her a couple of more times to, return or you know at court hearings mm-hmm, or mm-hmm. she she wanted a vacuum cleaner that she had left in my house but she didn't want to see her kid she mm-hmm. just wanted her vacuum cleaner jesus christ and um <laughs> she started stalking us for a little while Ooh, because she made it very clear like she said that what i want is to be like the fun aunt Mm. who just gets to come and hang out with her once in a while on the weekends and that's it. And I was just like, so you want all of the benefits without any of the effort. Yeah. I mean, I can see wanting that, but that's not fair it's to not fair anybody. to the child. Yeah, yeah. No, to no, no. anybody, you know? Yeah. And so I was just like, that's not a thing that, that we're going to do. And that like, I'm willing to work with you if you want to have access and visit, mm-hmm. visits mm-hmm. and stuff like she remembers, she's going to remember, the other kids are going to remember, you know, she, the, it, it's always important to me to start Danny's adoption story with the fact that things weren't always bad mm-hmm. with her biological mother, that, right. that that woman saw me through some of the physically and medically most dangerous and difficult times of mm-hmm. my life. And she got how we parented and she saw me at my very worst, mm-hmm. you know, and didn't run screaming. So that 
there's there's a power to that and, and an importance to that to remember that like things fell apart, mm-hmm. yeah. but they weren't always awful. But after the, I mean, the wheels fell off sort of, and, and after the the um, adoption was finalized, we've never seen her. Mm-hmm. And she has a very, very common name. Like I literally know two other women with the exact same first and last names. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I've done some looking online to try and keep track of where she is, uh, both because I'm concerned for the safety of my kids, all of them. And because, you know, you want to, you know, there's not, there's no such thing as too many kids, that, too many people in a child's life that love them. Right. So if we can make that happen, like I'm willing to be uncomfortable if mm-hmm. it's better for the kid. I just, I I, you know, my basic rules were like, look, I need you to have a reliable income. I need you to have an apartment with your name on the lease. Mm-hmm. And I need you to show up mm-hmm. when you say you're going to show up. And I need you to learn the time-honored tradition of looking a child dead in the eye and lying and saying it's going to be okay. Right. Yeah. Because... We don't always know it's going to be okay, but that's what they need yes. to hear. Oh my gosh, yeah. Shit, and that's so, what we need to hear sometimes too. <laughs> you know, for real. And so I was like, those are my sort of baseline. Like, can you do those things? Can you can you get a a job that involves a pay stub? Can you get an apartment? And can you show up? Yeah. And her answer was no. No, that is not a thing I can do. And now I can't find or reach her. And mm-hmm. I I don't know. I mean, I still have, I hold a lot of anger toward her, especially knowing after, after she moved out more, um, there was an investigation through Child Protective Services here, mm-hmm. and we got some more information than we had previous as to the extent of the abuse that, that Danielle survived. And so yeah. I don't know. I, I don't know one way or the other. And on the other hand, I'm Facebook friends with her biological father. Interesting. <laughs> we have no interaction. We became Facebook friends, you know, 10 years ago, just because he was friends with my nanny, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we never unfriended each other. And mm. there was a period of time where he was sending child support to me because I had guardianship. Mm-hmm. And that was just a weird, like. It's interesting. Good, good for him though. I, well, he didn't have a choice. Oh, oh, okay. Like, no, okay. yeah, yeah, no, no. Like, yeah, legally, yeah. it wasn't like, hey, I'll do this. <laughs> no, his his wages were garnished, and so he didn't have any say in it. He didn't even have to go to court to stop paying child support. It just stopped when the adoption was finalized. So you know, stand up guy. But like his, some, a couple of his family members are also on my Facebook list. They, none of them have ever wanted to meet her, never ever wanted to see her. He lives about 15 miles away from me and he knows where I am. Like he's been to this house he has never asked me about her. He doesn't want to see her. He doesn't want anything to do with that. And I guess I, the, the clarity of that decision, but it still breaks my heart because it's like, why would you turn away? Yes, yes. Which clarity is nice because at least boundaries are always good because you know where to color within, you know the expectations, but it does, yeah, as, as a parent, it breaks your heart because you don't want to see your, your child 
having those questions or, or having those unspoken questions of, you know, why not? But from the same angle, I have to imagine, I mean, I don't know his family. I can't speak to him, but like, I can understand also on the other side, how it'd be hard to, to want to engage if you don't know the level of involvement you're allowed to have, or just, you know, too many years have passed. That's one of the things my mother told me, Zalinda told me, she was like, you know, it's hard when you get past a certain point, because then there's just so much built up guilt that you don't know how to overcome it. And at that point, it's why interrupt their currently good life to insert myself and maybe disrupt things. Um, because obviously you've gotten this far without me, you can continue to get on fine without me. Um, so, I mean, I don't, I, I don't know them. So of course, I don't know that that's the reason, but I always like to think that that's the reason is that most people have good intentions, even if they are not well executed. Yeah, I think, you know, true malice is not a thing that exists in most, you know, luckily, yes, yes. <laughs> you know, that, 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 that's not a normal thing. I think that he was also in a different way abused and victimized by the biological mother because mm-hmm. he made the choice to engage in sex with her when he's literally engaged mm-hmm. to someone else. So like not, mm-hmm. not a stand up guy, but that being said, there were, I I think he believed that she was on birth control. He believed that she, mm-hmm. you know, she, I, I, I believe that there were some stories told or assurances made that if she ever got pregnant, she'd never ask him for a thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which lasted exactly zero amount of time before <laughs> oh, she's, yeah. you know, but so like, I get it. it there was a, there's a degree of him not trusting and and then not knowing me very well. There has to be some concern about where do I fall? Like, mm-hmm. am I mm-hmm. an ally of hers? Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. am I, am I, a sp- you know, undercover or something like that for her? Right. Like, am I like, cause we all know that the correct answer is I'm, I'm here for the kid. I'm the yeah. child's advocate, but you, you know, relationships yeah, are messy. Yeah. Yeah. And so he was hurt by her mother and he's just walked away completely and, mm-hmm. you know, paid child support only because it came out of his paycheck before he ever saw it. And then has never, like he's been, I live in Salem. Mm-hmm. He's been in Salem in the past couple of years, mm-hmm. and has not decided to drop by or get in touch. And that's fine. The only resentment, and that's even a strong word, but kind of the the pissiness I hold toward him is that there is a genetic disorder that his family has come up positive for. Uh, and I only found out because I saw a comment on Facebook. Oh man! About it, and I'm like, you know, I don't really. I, I'm I'm not looking for you to do anything, right? But you are a sperm donor, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Exactly. But when you have the information to say, hey, if you this this is a thing that runs in the family. So, so members of 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 his family have a thing called uh sma spinal Mm -hmm. muscular atrophy no Mm -hmm. muscular i believe m is for muscular i think so um sma is is i i I, i'm familiar with it because a uh friend of mine lost a niece to it 
at a very mm. young age. Mm. And so it's been on my radar and it's one of those disorders where the younger you are when you're diagnosed, the worse the prognosis is. And the family member of his that has been diagnosed is older. Mm. So that tends to suggest it's a less severe severe version. Severe. Yeah. But but still like one of the physical traits that she came to us with were were, were sort of overall um, undeveloped muscles from not having been exercised a lot and right, used right. and uh, a fair amount of problems with her joints and mm. limbs from some of the abuses that she experienced. Okay. And I could and did attribute that entirely to that and if she had seemed you know easily fatigued i would have been like well yeah the kid just lost her whole world yeah that's got to be exhausting but having atrophied muscles and low muscle tone and being easily fatigued and prone to being sore those are mm -hmm. also symptoms, symptoms of sma mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i'd really like to have been informed about that in a more Hey, just a heads up mm -hmm. yeah. kind of way, but whatever. I mean, people are who they are. Like, what are you? What are you going to do? Right. Like, at least, like, I, <laughs> at least so, you found out. So yeah, you at least I found out. That's that's why I keep keep him on my Facebook. Is because right those you know, little drabs, and drabs that you yep. might get that that gives you some clue. And I don't yeah. have. I don't often. You know, I don't do like the Facebook stalking thing because I just get irritated. But. uh but like he just he just very very recently married the girl that he was engaged to, mm -hmm. which part of me wants to just sit them down and be like, how does this happen? <laughs> just cares. just want to know, like yeah. <laughs> how does this happen? But um, I legitimately wish them well. I want them to have the life that they want to have. Yes. I'd also like him to step on a Lego. Because I feel like life should balance out right. a little bit, <laughs> right? But you know, it, it so it's it's complicated, and so here's this like it's sort of the polar opposite of the I don't have to sort through those complicated emotions of do I want to have this kind of a relationship with the biological family or not, mm -hmm. and what's that going to be like? And in our case. Both of, of her parents walked mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and never looked back. Yeah. yeah. And that's uh, especially with a couple that are starting out. So, like, if he has kids down the line, it's like, well, do I allow them to meet their siblings or, you know, do I wait until they're older and have that decision? So, and I mean, now in today's day and age, uh, most kids can, you know, once they hit, consenting age i don't know if there's like a age limit for dna tests but i mean nowadays if you do have any siblings out there odds are you can find them um so at least that there's a benefit to that for sure and then there's also just that that complicated again human emotion of like are they like just because they're biologically my sibling are they my sibling or you know it, it always comes back to nature and nurture biology versus what environment you're raised in. And that's such a tricky thing because I'm only biologically biologically related to two of my seven, six, six siblings. I'm the seventh. 
Yeah. So I'm only biologically related to two of my six siblings, but of those, my, my older brother, I'm not very close with just because we weren't raised together. Like I love him and I, I got a chance to meet him um, when I was seven. And then later in life um, when he visited my mom and whatnot. And then now we have somewhat of a relationship. Like we talk, we text um, now and then. And, you know, he's been over to our place, me and my husband's place a few times. Um, but I'm, I'm not super close with him because I, I wasn't raised with him. Um, we We bond over the moments that we share with our mother and the things that we have in common. But again, that's because we have our mother and those actual moments overlapped as opposed to just biology. Um, whereas I'm very close with my youngest sister who is nowhere related to me biologically. She's my stepmom and step stepdad's daughter. <laughs> and, uh, but she's one of my you know closest siblings. So it's just, you never know. It's uh, it's a, humans and family and the concept of family and and how much we owe to family is just always such a a tricky thing and i think about that a lot during the holidays um because i know a lot of friends of mine who don't have the best relationship with their families but feel obligated yeah Uh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) but but like there's still that weird obligation of it's a holiday ergo i need to go spend it with my family or i'm doing something wrong and it's like but why though? <laughs> like it's just yeah. a day on a calendar to celebrate. Why would you want to celebrate with people that don't bring you joy? You well, know? that's that's what we the last. Uh, so my father died in uh, April 2019, mm-hmm. and so Christmas of 2018. My I have two younger sisters. Mm-hmm. They came out. My mother came out with them. They all they all at the time lived in upstate New York. And brought some. My parents had been divorced for quite a long time by then, fifteen Wait, years really or something. Quick, really quick clarification okay. question: Did they come out as in they're visiting, or they they came out as as LGBTQ plus? Oh no! Oh yeah, no. Sorry, but just to, they just they, visiting. Oh, oh okay. Yeah, I was like, no, wow, it's all important. three at the same time. That's yeah, that's, that's men. No, they're they're. <laughs> yeah, no, my mom isn't that cool with that sort of thing so <laughs> that's part of the issue there but um no they all came up to visit okay okay visit. okay and <laughs> yeah yeah one of the yeah that's a whole other rant but my mother <laughs> likes to act like she values certain things mm. but only other people's families oh, so okay. one of my children is trans and one of my children is non-binary Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And one of my children is adopted, and she has told me that all three of those are not acceptable to her. And oh, wow. my response was, "Okay, go fuck yourself. We're yeah, done. No, Thank good you. Good for you. You like, don't have to. You do not have to choose to be their grandmother. We can. Well, and, we can and that's that. and that's what I told her. Is my my answer yeah. to her was, "Then you should go into work tomorrow, and you should explain that." You you just effectively lost all four of your grandchildren and your oldest daughter in a car accident because yeah. that's what this will be like. You you yeah. don't get to there are there are things that she has done that she had time to take back. She had time mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. you know I don't believe in erasing mistakes or hurts, deliberate hurts, but we literally sort of provided her with a script of like here mm-hmm. are the things I need you to say. Yeah. And her answer was, I will not ever say those things. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay. That's your choice then. Yeah. You know? And, yeah. and so, you know, I, 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 I think about that Christmas where sitting around my living room is 
myself, my four kids, my husband, my father was living with us at the time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. My his ex-wife, right? My mother. They they'd been divorced for like fifteen years by that point, but mm-hmm. she came out with my sisters and uh, her, her her my my mother is remarried. I've only met him once, um, but his sister came out mm-hmm. as well mm-hmm. for reasons that I don't were never made clear. But I didn't care. I was just like, sure, you know, open doors, come on out, whatever you need to do, mm-hmm. and sh- this experience of like these are legally family this is the technical definition of family and it was awkward and Mm, it was mm. sad and it was difficult Mm. and within six months my father was dead my mother was no longer welcome Mm -hmm. in Mm. my home and i it's not so much holding a grudge. It's about, I'm only going to bang my head on this wall for so long. Right. Like and if she were to eventually come and say those things that you asked her to say, those, those healing words of, I, I was wrong about this. And, you know, like, I don't think you guys were asking her to put on a pride parade for your children. You're just asking her to not be a cunt about it and accept your children as who they say they are and just be okay with that. That was, um, that was exactly basically the bottom. You know I mean? The, 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 that was even secondary to the first thing that she did was so my father died by suicide mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. she blamed me um, that I wasn't, paying close enough attention to him no that i was too wrapped up in my own life to pay attention even you know i'm like he that's some projection right there right and and that my house she used the phrase your house was toxic to him he needed peace and quiet and all you had were chaos and kids and i was like he's also a grown-ass man so well, and, well, that's not an issue you'll ever need to worry about yeah. than, you know, being around this toxicity. But I would have taken it because I took toxicity from my mother my whole mm. life. And so I would have yeah. taken it again. I, I guarantee I would have. Yeah. Because you, you you raised with this understanding that family gets an unlimited, yeah. Yeah, an unlimited number of strikes. And I'm, yeah. yeah. And, and. Then she called my oldest kid and said the same things to her. Mm, nope, nope. And I was like, nope, you there it is. Me. Not my children. Nope. Yeah. Nope. <laughs> nope. You're, we're, that's that's the line. That's the line, and it's a <laughs> yeah, hard line and a dark bridge, line. Yeah. And 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 there we go. And she then told me later, like we gave her like a solid like six months of no talking at all Mm -hmm. and then she was like i feel like this was just a conspiracy to get those kids away from me and i was like what are you talking about conspiracy you don't have any right to them in the first place all i have to do is say no (laughs) yeah like i i raised them but you're a guest and you can have access if you don't act like a twat and just maybe be considerate and not tell my child that we killed her grandpa. Like, no, that's yeah. no, that's yeah. not gonna fly. That's that's not gonna do. That's not gonna do the thing. And uh, she's like, Good "Well, try. I was grieving too." And I was like, "Grieve silently somewhere else." Right. Like, it's like that's that's an excuse. That's fine. Like, I get that you're grieving, but that was not an apology. Well, and that's the thing is, you're allowed to grieve. You 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 spent. She spent. She had three children with this guy. She spent 
a big chunk of her adult, her adult life mm-hmm. with him, mm-hmm. there is a valid grief there. But right, that right. doesn't give you free reign to word and emotion vomit on people. Yep. And it doesn't allow you to demand that I comfort you when mm-hmm. I was literally as well as emotionally closer to him mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. at the time of death. And so then after that was no, none of your kids are trans. No, non-binary isn't even a thing. The woman's a fucking social worker. Oh, no. <laughs> and it's like, my thing with that is even if, even if, like, even if I was someone, I'm not, but even if I was someone who didn't feel that I agreed, if it, especially when it comes to my grandkids, like, yeah, whatever. I, I just want to get to know you. I don't need to f- try and quote unquote fix you or tell you like people's obsession with telling people to be right or wrong, or you have to be this, or you just, you're going to likely have Alzheimer's in a few years anyways. And then we're going to have to pretend that whatever your world is, is real. So maybe just cut people a fucking break. If they're not harming people, they're not out killing people. They're, you know, fucking just cut them a break like being a human's tiring people be nice to each other (laughs) it's the lesson of our podcast today (laughs) i mean it is like it it, it is i feel like that's a that's a fine place to to hit stop on the recording because it's true it's it's you you get to choose your family people you are born to are humans too they're fallible they make mistakes they might not always have been ready to be parents and some people still stick it out and are not the better for it for both them and their children and some people do the right thing if they're not ready to have kids and give them to people who are and you know some people have kids and turn out to be very very shitty and not great and they need to get their heads out of their butts well it's real and that's and the the way i feel about is is if we're if we're stretching the boundaries on what sexuality means and what gender means and what mm-hmm. relationships are and status you know marital status and mm-hmm. things like that if we're if we're if we're flexing all of that then let's go ahead and flex the definition of family there you go family is who i feel it is yeah it's the people who show up it's the people who show up you know like um me and my mom, uh, my my stepmom, but I call her my mom because she. I actually still. I'm I'm thirty something years old, you guys. I still call my mom mommy, my mommy. Um, she raised me. Like me and her had a very very rough um, life together. We uh, she had trauma in her own childhood and that she was working through and was raised by my you know my grandmother who's you know as a grandma to me is amazing but like you know she was she was different raising her own daughters. Um, and you know, that just generational sin and trauma being passed down. And, and so me and my mom did not have a close relationship. Like we loved each other, but there was tension. There was pain, a lot of unspoken, ununderstanding, and we had very different love languages. So that was really hard because we weren't reciprocating love to each other or showing it. And then you add grief into that and you add like jealousy of like, now, now that I'm going through similar situations, like the jealousy of my mom coming back into my life and, and, you know, just criticism from our other family about how she was raising me. Some probably weren't it, a lot of it not. And, and just a lot, like there was a lot of different tension points in our relationship. And 
and I'm, I'm very blessed that eventually like a few years ago, um, about, yeah, about a few years ago, like we just had this random, like, just, I don't know what sparked it, but she apologized, like she actually apologized. Um, and, and our relationship has been slowly building since then. Like we, like we had a good cry about it. I was at a gas station. It was really weird. Um, but it was cathartic and needed. And, and it's, I guess that's also kind of, well, and on a hopeful note, it's never too late to apologize. Like you don't, you don't owe anyone anything. If someone hurts you, family or not, you don't, you don't owe them, even if they ask for forgiveness. But I will say we're all human. So depending on how fucked up the shit was, if I can't say scarring, because it, it did scar me in some ways, but if you're able to forgive them and they are genuine from where they're coming from, one, forgiveness doesn't mean you have to let them back in your life. And two, if for me, I was wanting her in my life because that's, that's, I mean, that's why I'm such a perfectionist now. I'm always striving for my mom's approval and to be the best and to get that attaboy because I didn't get it growing up. And, um, and so it, it was healthy for me to have her back in my life because that's what I always wanted. I just wanted her to actually want to be in my life <laughs> and now she does. And that's really amazing. Um, but no one's owed that. And, you know, just know what your boundaries are and what your needs are and, and express them, be honest with yourself, be honest with them. And yeah, it's humans are emotional and messy and it's hard, but family and all the expectations around it makes it that much harder because we have all these societal rules around what constitutes family and how family should be. And we also have our egos, like the day my child ever says you're not my real mom is going to fucking gut me. But that might happen because kids are also humans too. And they have emotions they're working through and they don't always have the right proper language and, you know, the right uh, maturity to express it correctly. So yeah, humans and family, it's all messy, but hopefully we can all just have grace with each other and not fuck each other up enough going forward. With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I have a hard time sometimes discussing adoption. Not because it's a particularly evocative subject for me. Not a whole lot more so than a thousand other topics in my life because my life is just kind of a lot sometimes. But because I don't fit into one of the more typical adoption slots. You know, there's, I think, perhaps the most common is what 
you're hearing Danielle describe of I'm not able to biologically create a child and so I am actively pursuing adoption. Other times you hear people say that they ended up adopting because of the loss or inability of a family member, perhaps. That kind of thing. I didn't do that. And so it can be hard for me sometimes because it feels off or wrong at times when I admit to people that I wasn't looking to adopt. I wasn't, in fact, I mean, if anything, I was going out of my way not to. There was this little family that was out in the world and they were having a hard time. And the goal, both internally and stated, was to give them a little bit of support and then send them on their way as their own little family. And instead, things went a different direction. And it turned out that adoption was suddenly a part of my life. And I don't regret that, like not for a second. But saying that, look, I tried really hard not to adopt. I tried really hard to keep that little family intact and keep my bigger family intact and keep the two separate. Like, that sounds, I don't know, ungrateful or wrong in ways. It, and, and there are people in the world, I've had it happen, that can't have that conversation with me. They find it upsetting or disrespectful or as though I'm somehow less grateful for what I have because I wasn't looking for it in the first place. So it can be a rough one. And I'm so grateful and so delighted when I come across someone like Danny who can talk to me about her experience as she pursues adoption, and she can hear my experience as I tried and failed not to, and she gets it. Do you know what I mean? She she can hear what I'm saying without hearing it as though I'm this complete asshole. <laughs> because, you know, there are times, like we all know. So just, Danny... Thank you so much for being so amazing and such a rock star and sharing your vulnerabilities about your whole life. You've seen some shit and you get what family is. And that's a beautiful gift, both that you get it and that you're willing to share it. Thank you guys for listening. I hope everybody's doing okay. It feels like a weird lull right now. There's some not great stuff in the news. There's some not great stuff going on in the world, in politics and medicine and that sort of thing. But at the same time, it feels like there's some progress happening. And I am afraid to hope 
for the latter, but I do hope for the latter. I hope that we're starting to turn a corner because we all kind of desperately need to find a new normal. I don't think we're going to return to the normal we had before, but until the outside world and COVID and politics and, 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 and all of the things, until they settle, we can't start figuring out what does normal look like now. So I hope that's soon. I hope you're hanging in there. You matter. <laughs>